You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture this morning is from 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 to 29. Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money. Or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. And it was written in the letters that she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth out at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned, he is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, He is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut you off from Ahab, every male, bond or free in Israel. 
and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, in the house of Bashea, and son of Ahijah, for anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heaven shall eat. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel his wife incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, and the Amor- as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring the disaster upon his house. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in a word of prayer as we look into this text together. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for your word, the revelation that you've given us to know you, to know how to worship you, to know what sins we have committed against you. And God, we ask that your spirits may dwell with us today and help us see um, these truths in your scripture, help us to have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, to know who you are and what you have done. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's these games that we used to play at these Korean church retreats, and basically it involved a straw and a circle-shaped, like donut-shaped potato chip. And we'd be split up into teams, and we'd all stand in rows, maybe teams of like five to six people, and the goal of the game was to pass the circle-shaped potato chip from one person to the next to get to the end of the line, and the last person would have to drop that potato chip onto a plate, right? And the the team with the most amount of potato chips would win. And if you could just imagine just for a moment that when the timer begins, all these kids be yelling, screaming, like faster, faster. But while people are doing it, some people might drop this chip and they would have to start all over. Some people even might drop the chip right before they put it onto the plate. And I remember this one time when I played, our team had noticeably less chips than the other teams. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like my team is terrible. Right? I was just being such a sore loser. I was being so bitter. Right? All the teachers are telling me to like, be quiet, like, calm down. Right? But I was just really just being a sore loser. However, I thought to myself, maybe there's still an opportunity to win. So I conspired a plan, even though the timer had ended, that while the judges were judging one team's and counting the chips on one team's, I'd go to another team to start eating some of their chips. And of course, with crumbs on my face, people saw that I, I cheated and I ruined the game and our team got disqualified and my team was not too happy. You know, this story is actually the reason why I'm at Christchurch because no other Korean church would want me anymore. <laughs> In our story today, we see a man sulking, scheming, and really just being a sore loser. A king that is supposed to defend the little guys in Israel, who's supposed to bring about justice where there is injustice, brings about injustice himself. He does quite the opposite. He sulks, he's bitter, because he doesn't get what he wants, ultimately leading him to murder and theft. And friends, before we point the finger way too quick, 
I hope that by the end of today, we can recognize that maybe we're, our attitudes and our behaviors aren't actually too far off from this king. We are people that also sulk in so many ways. But also, in looking at Ahab, we'll also look at Naboth, a man who is faithful, loved God. In looking at him, hopefully we'll be able to see also, in a sinful world, Christians suffer to some extent, especially even us in our city today, in Toronto. Today I'd like to look at three things. The first is the sin of this King Ahab, the suffering of Naboth, and then to conclude, the grace of God. The sin of King Ahab, suffering of Naboth, grace of God. First, let's look at the sin of King Ahab. In our text, we see King Ahab wanting Naboth's garden, which was right beside his palace. And if you could just imagine this king in his glorious palace with gold, silver, ivory everywhere, right, with a multitude of servants ready to attend to every single need of King Ahab, imagine him stepping out onto his grand balcony, seeing his marvelous kingdom, but then he looks to his side and sees a man working the fields and thinks to himself, what an amazing spot for a vegetable garden, right? So he goes down, gives a business proposition to this man, but little did he know Naboth was a faithful follower of God. He gives this business proposition and Naboth essentially says, no, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. And King Ahab is truly just crushed. He becomes so bitter. He lays down in bed, right, all angry, frustrated, because he wasn't able to attain that which he so desired. Friends, haven't we all experienced maybe something like this? When there is hiccups to our plans, when we face troubles, we grow so bitter and our minds are so clouded with discontent. When we are not able to attain that which we so desire, right, we grow resentful. And maybe we see this even in children, right, when they can't get the lollipop that they really wanted, they'll make a fuss. And friends, you and I, we also do such things. When we are sulking in our bitterness, when we sulk in our resents, we become so ill-willed. And really, this bitterness and sulking is only the beginnings of something really so wicked, so terrible. We see in our text today that vexation and sullenness that King Ahab experienced is not the end, but only the beginning. These attitudes of feeling in this way lead him to greater corruption and sin. And we see this even in his response to Queen Jezebel. When Jezebel confronts him about why, why are you so sad, why are you so angry, why are you sulking, he leaves out God to his answer. He just simply says, Naboth does not want to give him this vineyard, manipulating Naboth's words to favor his own case, favor his own testimony. And he lets Queen Jezebel conspire a devious plan involving two individuals that will blatantly lie against Naboth as Naboth is taken to the elders, claiming that Naboth had cursed God and the king, two things that he would have never have done, right? Led out to the city walls, stoned to death. Truly, what a wicked thing King Naboth has done. Friends, when we begin to sulk, it damages ourselves, right? It pollutes our minds, but also it hurts those around us and ultimately offends God. Growing up, I saw my parents and several of my relatives meet on Sundays and we make something called kimchi. If you don't know what kimchi is, it is basically this fermented cabbage um, of like different types of spices, sugars, herbs, and it basically just kind of ferments in like these tubs. 
and we would make enough kimchi that would last us for months. So these Saturdays, we all gather. It would be like eight to ten hours, right? And we'd make this thing, kimchi, and it's truly just a staple of the Korean cuisine. I know it might sound kind of weird, fermented cabbage. Like, what is that? But it's actually quite good. I promise you that. For the first month, when we're eating this kimchi with every meal, it is crisp, it is fresh, it's quite good. In the second month, you can kind of taste the fermentation progress, kind of like take course, and it tastes okay, right? And actually, some people actually like that. But once you get to the third and fourth month, it just becomes so sour and so pungent. In my opinion, I think it's quite terrible, right? But some people, some Koreans really do like it. I think it's quite inedible. And why do I, sh why do I share this story? I think far too often, we as people, when we begin to sulk in our bitterness, that sulking in some sense ferments and grows in such a way where it hurts those around us. It hurts our friends, it hurts our family, it hurts our spouse, our kids, right? It, are, it is actions that truly does displease God and deserves God's judgment. Friends, we are not kings. I doubt you're a king, right, or of royal heritage. Some, many of us are not murderers or thieves, but I guarantee you this. The actions that which you take in your sulking are the same attitudes and behaviors that King Ahab has gone through as well. Let me just give, give you some examples. It may look like stepping on someone else's reputation, cutting corners to make your reputation look a lot better than it actually is, right? You treat people in a way where they are a means to your own ends, leaving them to wonder why their performance does not match up to yours. Maybe you find yourself disappointed in the actions of your children and we become overly harsh and brutal even, leaving them to confusion and hurts that might last them a lifetime. Another example of this is gossip. People disappoint us, they frustrate us, they annoy us, right? And instead of confronting them about something that they have done, we find it a lot easier for some reason to talk a lot of smack behind their backs leaving them to wonder why people are treating them in such a way, why they're thinking of them differently. And friends, truly the list can go on. And I hope my point is clear. We are a people so prone to discontent, to sulking in our bitterness when our plans are foiled. These things lead to other corruption and wickedness that hurt our neighbors and offend God. Brothers and sisters, King Ahab sits in his glorious throne complaining that which he does not have. I hope that we as people can be genuine in our thanksgiving, that we can be content in the Lord and count our blessings. Are there not things that we ought to be thankful for? Although maybe you didn't get the job promotion that you so desired, but having a job in and of itself, isn't that such a blessing? Even though your children might drive you nuts, what a beautiful family God has given you. Let us ultimately remember, friends, the redemption that God has brought about in Christ Jesus for our sake and for his glory, to know him, to love him, to serve him. Friends, rather than stalking, let us remember to find content in the Lord. Now let's turn our attention to Naboth, the suffering of Naboth. Naboth truly was a godly man. We see in our text that Naboth stood up for truth and not just for any truth. He stood up for the truth of God and the law of God. When King Ahab came to him to confront him and ask him for this land, he might, Naboth might have had Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23 in mind. And God says, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. 
in some sense, when the Israelites are in the promised land, it's not actually their land. They're just kind of renting it out, and God is the landlord, and God has allowed them to live there. Naboth knew this, and he said no to the king. However, his obedience costed him his life, right? The suffering of Naboth that, un- that he undertook was truly great. If you could just imagine for a moment and put your feet in his shoes, you know you have a vineyard beside the king's palace. You know exactly what the king is up, up to, right? The, the great sins that he has committed. And this king comes up to you and asks you for your vineyard. And you tell him no, thinking that he's the king of Israel. I'm sure he knows the law of God, right? However, little did you know there is a plan being conspired behind your back involving two people that will testify falsely against you, claiming that you had cursed God and the king. Two things deserving of capital punishment, right? Being dragged out to the city walls, being stoned to death. What a suffering Naboth has gone through. In high school, I was probably like one of the only Asians, probably one of the four, and I feel like I was really blessed because I never really ran into much like racism. And the stories that people have told me coming to Toronto of the racism that they experienced, it was truly frightening. But for me, I was like really blessed and it was hard to empathize even with them. I was never made fun of of my racism or because I was Asian, but I was made fun of because I was Christian. For some reason, people knew that I was like this Christian guy. Um, And I remember this distinctly and this bothered me so much. During lunchtime as I was studying, my friends thought it was so funny to move all the Bibles in the library into the fiction sections, right? And I was just like so frustrated at them. I was so angry at them. Although my life, you know, I didn't feel like my life was threatened. I really did feel like, man, like, like why, are they, why are people doing this? It's because I'm Christian. Friends, even for us living in Toronto, although maybe we do not face death, right? And some of you guys actually might have. But I think for the most part, you know, it's, Toronto is pretty safe. We have such a liberty here to be able to worship and praise the God that we love. However, I know this for a fact. We have all suffered to some extent because of the faith that you have whether it's through institutions, whether it's through friends, family members. In a culture that is ever-changing, that seems to be straying further and further away from God, we are confronted with these challenges and decisions that we have to make that ultimately lead us to suffer. How much easier would it have been, I thought, to simply laugh it off, right? Think little about my faith. You know, when my friends are moving those Bibles, Friends, how much easier would it be for you to leave the God that you love and conform to the patterns of this world? And of course, the answer is absolutely not. Brothers and sisters, I hope that we can take heart. Naboth truly died for a noble cause. He did not compromise, and God knows his suffering. God knows yours as well. Even Christ warns us in John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hates you. The suffering that you experience, even as a Christian in this city, is a suffering that Christ has gone through to some extent, to a great extent. And perhaps this suffering is a mark of the Christian faith as we conform to Christ's image. And lastly, the grace of God. And this is where we're going to conclude God sees the suffering of Naboth, and there must be justice for this man. Justice will come for Naboth. King Ahab and his wife will have to pay the price. They have acted abominably before God, done evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? 
And God, out of his great grace and mercy, sends prophet Elijah to confront him about what he has done. Let's just take a moment to pause and recognize that God, instead of just striking him down for the sins that he has committed, would send a prophet to confront him. I think ultimately giving him an opportunity to even repent. God truly did love King Ahab, and God truly did love Naboth. Justice will come down upon King Ahab for the things that he has done to Naboth, but also what an opportunity for King Ahab to also repent. Right? right, And we see that right at the end of verse 27, King Ahab actually does repent. He tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth, and fasts. And if you remember the story of Jonah, when he reaches the land of Nineveh and preaches to them that they will experience a type of wrath and destruction because of the wickedness that they have committed, how, how does the people at Nineveh respond? Sackcloth and fasting. And time and time again, we see in our scriptures that this seems to be what people do back then to show a type of mourning, in many cases, repentance. We see King Ahab humbling himself, coming before the Lord, and because he does so, we see that this judgment isn't just completely abolished. It doesn't just disappear because he does it, but this judgment is then passed on to who? To his sons and to his household. Friends, our God is a just God, and all those who have committed sins against him, who have sulked to some degree, Right, and committed these vile actions, they will receive judgment. God has seen it all. He does not give a blind eye to what you have done. Brothers and sisters, let us heed the warning given here through the prophet Elijah, even to us many years later. Right? It is you who will face the full brunt end of God's judgment. It is you who have sinned against your friends, your family, your neighbors, and ultimately singing, sinning against God, rebelling against him, deserving of God's displeasure and judgment. However, friends, of course we can't end there. There is good news. In a very interesting way, I think just because of one man's suffering in our text brings about repentance of another, we see that King Ahab repents because of the suffering of Naboth. And if you could just take a moment to think once again of Naboth. Naboth is a man dedicated to God's word. He loved God, right, obeyed his commandments. But he is a man who suffered at the hands of his own people, trialed before the elders, falsely accused, and ultimately put to death. Does this man not ring a bell? Does this, not, does this man not sound like someone that we know? Naboth in our text ought to point us to the greater Naboth, Jesus Christ himself. For Jesus himself was the one who was falsely accused, trialed before the elders, crucified, buried, put to death. Friends, Naboth died for his vineyard in, obedi in obedience to God's word. But Jesus Christ has died for the sins of his people in, in fulfilling God's law and word. For King Ahab, his sins would be passed on to his sons and to his household. But brothers and sisters, you who have faith, you who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins has already been paid for. The price of sin has been paid. It doesn't matter if this is your first time at church or you've grown up at church your whole life. It doesn't matter if you're a non-Christian or even a Christian. Brothers and sisters, friends, all that we are asked to do is come before the God who judges in repentance liking Ahab as wicked as he was, to humble yourself before him, like him, liking Ahab, 
and to be met with grace unending, either for the first time or for the thousandth time. Let us pray. Father, what a grace that we receive as people who are truly just undeserving, who are truly have gone astray, who have rebelled against you over and over and over and over again. But you, like the God of grace, knowing us and all that we've done, confront us of with your grace and your love over and over and over again. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in Christ Jesus, even while we sulk, even while we rebel. God, you see the suffering of your own people and you provide them what they need to sustain themselves through your spirits and through many other means. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.